Hi, thank you for tuning in to the Finding Harmony podcast with me, your host, Harmony Slater. Well, hello, 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 and welcome to the Finding Harmony podcast. This is your place to go deeper into your practices and learning about all of the different lives and the spiritual journeys that practitioners have had and today is no different we are meeting with an incredible woman but before we jump into this interview I just want to remind you that this is the last week to sign up for my Finding Harmony retreat you can get all the details online harmonyslater.com backslash finding harmony retreat and it's going to be a game changer we're going to begin our day with a yoga practice and then we're going to grab a coffee and dive into reflecting and visualizing and manifesting all of your big dreams, creating some little action steps to bring them into being and move you one step forward closer towards them. There's going to be live coaching with me. There's a big workbook, 30 pages long that we'll use and go through. Plus, you're going to get some uh, mini mindfulness exercises. We're going to do some breath work and we're going to learn how to create these little spots of peace within our day, little sanctuaries of practice that can really help keep us aligned with our purpose and also keep our energy high, keep our vibration high so that we can draw towards us all of the amazing things that our heart desires. So uh, be sure you sign up. The retreat is on Saturday, April 30th. It is uh, many hours, about six hours of practicing and journaling and visualizing and breathing and meditating and chanting and yoga and all of the things are there. Um, so come sign up, harmonyslater.com backslash finding harmony retreat. And today our guest is actually a very special uh, nutritionist. She uh, also is a banker and professional finance um, person and a mom of two. She's a traveler. She's a gardener. Um, she's an incredible practitioner and a shtanga. Ashtangi, um, and a yoga teacher. So I can't wait for you to meet her. We're going to learn so much about how to uh, eat and treat our bodies and how diet can really affect uh, things like inflammation, which is the underlying cause for so many autoimmune disorders, as well as how to reduce flare-ups of rheumatoid arthritis and other physical ailments that um, come up from time to time. Uh, this is Nicola Nixon, and you can find her on Instagram at the Yummy Yogi all together. The Yummy Yogi. And I would really recommend following her. She has great posts about different nutrition tips and recipes, and um, you can find her yoga. Uh, offerings there as well and there's just so much here to dive into when it comes to nutrition and how to best feed our bodies to nurture our practices and our souls so I want to get right to it I'm not going to hold you up any longer let's dive in with Nicola Nixon hi welcome to the Finding Harmony podcast I'm your host Harmony I'm here with my very funny little podcasting voice today <laughs> your podcasting padawan yeah it's like my all these podcasts have transformed my voice into some kind of 
strange that's the low vibration that's the like lur- that's husky phone voice it's the lurgy it's the I I understand that you have um, Nikki Barada back on the radio no, today. No, I don't have Nikki Barada. Nikki, Nikki's Nikki from <laughs> Leeds, right? No, we have a beautiful woman from Kent. No, no, no. She's no? not from Kent. She's from Yorkshire. Yorkshire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I oh, hate to break. But living the, in Kent. I hate to break the. No, no. She's living in in Leeds. Didn't she say Kent? Leeds University. Where did I get Kent from? I have no idea. Oh my but god. But I had a whole bit going, and you broke it by being completely. Should we just start again? Sideways. No, I don't think we should start again. Uh, so Nikki Barada's from Nicola Nixon is from the north. <laughs> <laughs> just like Nikki Barada was. And so we're going to have... Are they both from Yorkshire? They're both from the North. You can just say the North. Oh. And it's grim. Well, where's Kent? It's in the southeast. It's right next to Essex, just like a little bit above Essex, oh. which is just almost due east of London. You know, it's a small... London is very south. It's a small island, they're but f- there's like a lot of places no, on it. No, they're fucking southerners <laughs> down there. And it's the south. Oh, pardon my language. Hi, Nicola. <laughs> Hello, this is like an amazing geography lesson for everybody, isn't it? <laughs> like, bonus. Uh, so, well. so where are you actually from? Yorkshire. For yeah, fuck's sake, I, I listen to Yorkshire. the words I'm saying. <laughs> now, and I'm from a town called Huddersfield. Huddersfield. That's right. And... Right. Thank you. <laughs> and where are you now? Still in Huddersfield. Okay. Oh my god. That's amazing. Oh my god, we went over this. Oh, this is the third time. Um, we, need like, now... we need like a little map, don't we? We should have a little god. map with little pins right. in it so that we can no. see where we are. She she has sure. she has the lurgy. She's not sleeping well. She's not good. And she's been and I told her like we should just call it a day and like go back to bed. And she says, no, no, we've got to do the interview. Be nice. And I was like, that's oh, not how I talk. That's how you talk. That's how you talk. I don't talk like that. You'll be nice. We just have an interview. Be good. You have a little talk and chat to be good noise. I'm not well. It'll be ever so lovely. I don't want to do it again. And I was like, all right, fair enough. Are you like now, a professional accent person then? Is that, is that your, your, your sideline? That's right. He's trying to get picked up. You know? Oh, oh okay. I am trying. Okay. I would he like wants to, his own show. I would like right. to be picked up. Yeah. We, Nicola, we need to practice a little. Yeah. Uh, so for those of you who don't know you, you're ever so nice. Nicola Nixon, no relation. President Nixon? I'm sure her parents are also named Nixon. Yeah. Nicola Nixon is a yummy, is the yummy yogi, a reformed finance professional, an enthusiast on gut biomes, mum of two, and a handmade tyke. Isn't that nice? Well, do you know, um, you say handmade tyke, that (laughs) that word is, I've heard it. But I've, I've yeah. had to look it up, and yeah. you know, you, you're right. It does refer to to Yorkshire people. I think it's <laughs> the next town on who call their football club the Tigers. Oh, but I had no tanks. idea where it came from until until I looked it up. But apparently, the Southerners used to refer to Yorkshiremen, meaning we were rough, coarse, and slightly unpleasant. How rude is that? It is rude. <laughs> it's an old Norse term, "tick," which denotes a female dog. 
So the Southerners would have called the the Yorkies back in the olden timey days, Uthred of Uthred. They would have called them those bitches, right? Right, and the ticks from up north. That's brutal. And so, yeah, we are a little concerned. That is it, tyke or is it tick? Tyke. It's his well, tyke. Yeah. We are concerned yeah. the tyke might be derogatory, so I don't want to. Yeah, I, I think I it think probably nice, is. Yeah, it? yeah. I think I think you're right there. Well, why is it a handmade tyke? What does that because mean? Because she's, she's she's a maiden. She's made. She was made in Yorkshire. Oh, handmade. She's also a handmade. <laughs> Isn't that a clever bit of wordplay? Isn't that lovely? Yeah. Hey, look, a frustrated accent impersonator and a frustrated. <laughs> Poet as well. Oh, yes, it's true, exactly. among other frustrations. So, <laughs> um, I guess you would have just grown up like normal folks in, in Yorkshire, eating fish and chips, bangers and mash, bubble and squeak, all that. <laughs> well, I think the, the bangers and mash and bubble and squeak, definitely. Um, my grandparents were butchers, and so therefore we had an abundance of meat and we also had allotments. So all the veg were there. It was a very um, meat and two veg kind of um, kind of upbringing. We didn't have yeah. any anything fancy. Um, and by and veg, chip. mean potato. And peas. Um, oh, peas, peas as well. And, uh, <laughs> and marrows, because you couldn't control the growth of the courgettes. They all became marrows. Um, oh. so, yeah yeah we were we were quite limited in our diet i would say and fish and chips were quite a treat oh um, yeah no, i'd say so we only ever got that when we slept at grandma's you know we didn't uh, <laughs> <laughs> we didn't have that as normal food um, mm. but yeah I, I, I think um nothing was ever wasted you know we, we didn't have a lot of money growing up mm-hmm. and so you know everything was used all of the scraps of the veg and the meat. And, and I think that that's where my cooking came mm-hmm. from. You know, oh, yeah. my, my husband laughs because he says I can make anything out of, you know, what everybody else would scrape and put into the bin. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, you know, I, I do. <laughs> there's, a couple, there's a couple of things that um, I think need translation for our audience. I wonder if you, could, if you could describe for our listeners at home, especially for Harmony, what an allotment is. Oh, right. Okay. Yep. Mm. Um, An allotment is a a piece of land Mm -hmm. where anybody can go and grow their veg or keep their chickens or um, they're they're really lovely little communities. And they were particularly popular in Yorkshire. Um, It's where men of a certain generation had their man shed. And they all went right. to socialise with each oh, other. Cool. And so, you know, as, as a child, my mum and dad used to drop me off with my granddad and he used to take me down to his allotment and we used to chase chickens and, oh. you know, pick peas and, and eat them raw. That's oh. such a nice, like, community building thing. And by yeah. chase chickens, you mean, like, going after the birds, like, really, like, yeah. you know, is yeah, flirting with the girls and <laughs> no, no. no. Um, have, you, have you ever tried chasing to chase a chickens? Chicken? I've yeah, choked a chicken, but I've never oh, chased. On. Wait, I don't. <laughs> you, have, you have to, you have to, you have to tear their heads off. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, maybe you could tell our listeners what's a bubble and squeak. 
Because that's a lovely term. It is a lovely term. Um, it's basically the leftovers from what would have been um, a roast dinner, the vegetable leftovers. Mm-hmm. So you'd have some potatoes and maybe some greens like Brussels sprouts and the odd bit of carrot. And you mash them up together and form them into like a little patty. Ah. And then either fry or, or like nowadays would bake them. Um, but but yeah, they're, they're, they're really nice to, to use up all of your scrapings that would normally have been thrown away and they they kind of squeak a bit too because of all the like the cabbage and and (laughs) they make a sound don't they (sighs) that must have passed me by i don't know no 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 i'm sorry i thought i'd heard that honestly i thought i'd heard it's so fun like listening to you talk about like the traditional english sort of dinner because my grandparents on my father's side always had like the roast dinner every Sunday and we would all go over as a family she'd make the Yorkshire pudding and the gravy and the roast and the peas carrots potatoes maybe Brussels sprouts yes in winter yes (laughs) yeah Canada is a bit more British than America is, yes. is my is my impression. Ah, okay. They, okay. Yeah, they carry So a lot of people would have like roast dinner on on Sundays. They're yeah. they're with quite their families. they're quite pro- progressive rather than, you know, having, you know, they regressive like the United they, States. Right, exactly. <laughs> they 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 progress rather than regress. Progress. <laughs> uh, it's funny. And uh, but yeah, it's a big tradition. Yeah. Is a Yorkshire pudding, is that a bit like French fries? Where Do you have a different word for it? Oh, no. Oh, my <laughs> word. Yorkshire pudding. <laughs> you know That's what a Yorkshire like, pudding like the, is. The holy grail of, uh, yes. of dinners. And that here defines how good your cooking skills are. Um, if you yeah. can make a, a decent Yorkshire pudding, then you're sorted for life. Oh my goodness! That but, was my favorite as a kid. Mm-hmm. I would just eat like three of them with gravy. Yeah, but you yeah. wouldn't just everybody loves call it, here. But you wouldn't just call it a pudding because you're in Yorkshire. It's like oh, have a pudding, uh, and you then still they, call it Yorkshire pudding. No, no, it yeah, is a Yorkshire, Yorkshire pudding. pudding. You're quite yeah, it's because they don't call it. They call them frits in France. Yorkshire puddings, French fries. Oh, French fries, right? Yeah, they don't call but them I French, French fries. French fries with chips. They are chips in or England. Frits. <laughs> In France, en français. En français, yeah. right? But that's nothing like a Yorkshire pudding. <laughs> no, it's not. No, but you see, it's 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 named from the location that you live in. Right. You know, okay. so you don't you wouldn't call it Yorkshire per se. So you just pass the pudding. No, no. no but pudding no, is something no. else altogether. It's Pudding's like dessert. Yes, dessert. Yeah. Pudding is dessert, and Yorkshire yeah. pudding is. Your Yorkshire pudding. But if you're in Yorkshire, you're not going to say past the Yorkshire pudding because you're we in do. Yorkshire. You do. Yeah, we do. We Good do. God. We're so oh. proud of it as a, as a yeah. culinary dish. That, you that, should yeah. be. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the most delicious thing that ever came out of England. <laughs> now, our, our, one, our one listener, Martha, in Florida, she may not know what a Yorkshire pudding is. Could you mm-hmm. describe it? And like how, what makes it really good? Okay, and don't forget Valerie as well. I'm just going to say hi to Valerie. <laughs> <laughs> She'll love that. <laughs> Valerie, founder of the Finding Farming yeah. podcast. Yeah. Thank so you. for Martha and Valerie, a Yorkshire pudding is a batter made from flour, milk, and egg, 
And the, the secret is to get it really whisked up so that there's lots of air in it and uh. to get the fat in your oven so hot that it smokes. Mm-hmm. And then you take your little dish out, pour in the, the batter and put it in for about sort of 15, 20 minutes and it rises up into a, a great big puff of deliciousness. Puff. I don't know how it's else true. to describe a it. puff of deliciousness. Yeah, puff it's is true. a derogatory term for a homosexual. <laughs> no, yeah. not yeah, that kind no, of puff. No. <laughs> oh, all right. Yeah, we used to make them in the muffin tins. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Yeah, there isn't anything mm. better, really. Um, I haven't had one for ages. Oh, you should. Do you know what? Yeah. Um, I discovered recently that they're really nice with like a chocolate spread on. So for actual pudding, I uh-huh. dessert uh-huh. as well yeah. as with, the, uh, yeah. with the roast with gravy. Oh, my goodness. Huh, yeah, We're really struggling with language in this episode. <laughs> translation. So, you know, it's funny. Um, We're all speaking English. So yeah. That sounds really nice, though, that, that you grew up with, you know, being able to go off with your with your, with gran and your grand and go off yeah. to the allotments. And it sounds like a really like, like beatific kind of upbringing where when someone says the North, they really – rather grim isn't it oh it's not green grim here it's really green it's it's absolutely gorgeous we've got like the rolling green hills um, and all of the you know like the the lovely little that there are some grim places in the north but there are grim places in the south as well but here it's really lovely it's green and beautiful and so all those spaces where people grew the vegetables were just a lovely place to be yeah, uh, I'd rather vegetables. Yeah, I think I'm going to start nice. saying that. That's nice. Because well, we, what would we, you say? Vegetables. vegetables. That sounds funny, vegetables. right? You just vegetables. remove the a altogether. Vegetables. Yeah, get it out. Just sh- yeah. schmutz it together. Yeah, vegetable. Yeah, it's yeah. like okay. cauliflower. I don't have cauliflower or roller coaster, <laughs> as Harmony <laughs> likes to say. <laughs> cauliflower, roller coaster, cauliflower, vegetable. Mm. Let's get on with it. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, gr- so growing up, like, what were you? What did your parents do? It, it sounds like you guys were just having a really rather nice time up there. Um, my dad was a plumber. Um, um, that's good. And so, yeah, yeah. Well, he was kind of an industrial plumber, so he worked on um, you know industrial sites and things like that, mm. as opposed to people's houses. Um, mm. And when we were young, mum didn't work. Um, and then later on, she became a, a school secretary. Um, mm. But they, they were really young when they had me. Uh, mum was 19. And wow. so I think that, you know, they still had some of their living and growing up to do. And so when Saturdays came, we were kind of flung at my grandparents. And, you know, <laughs> mum and dad went off to do uh, whatever they did, child-free, whilst uh, grandma and granddad uh, had us, you know, for the weekend, which was, yeah. they were just great fun times, really. Um, uh, you know, I was really lucky with my childhood. We didn't have very much money, but but we, you know, we had a lot of fun. Um, and, you know, it's amazing what chasing chickens can, uh, can do for your fitness. <laughs> totally. <laughs> <coughs> So that's fantastic. So you were rather you were rather good at, at the at school, weren't you? You were sort of excellent, and that just sort of came naturally to you. It did. It did. Um, I've always been a really hard worker, and I've always been a really driven 
kind of person. And so mm. if I set my mind to achieving it, then I pull out all the stops and I, you know, I make sure that I do that. And um, yeah, the, the academic side of things just came quite naturally for me. But because nobody in my family had ever been to university before, there was no precedent for any of that kind of thing. It was just sort of a you know, just, oh, yeah, I've done really well in that. And now just move on and, and get on with my life. You know, there was no expectation that I should go to university or further my education at all. It was just sort of go out and get a job. That was interesting. When you brought that up in your in your bio, it's it sort of um, a couple of times now, Harmony and I have talked about this, having, you know, working class parents ourselves. You know, my dad is a mechanic and hers was a, um, an electrician. Um, they, the enthusiasm for school was, um, I think misguided, like we would have been much better off in a professional career, but there was like, there was, it had this kind of grandiose dreams like, yeah, go to college. That'd be great. (laughs) Do, do whatever you want. Enjoy your life. And I think it was really naive and like, they should have said to us, go get your law degree. And really focus on that, like do something where you can, you know, really change things for your, 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 your class, you know, permanently. But going off to fucking art school is a terrible idea. My parents did try to brainwash me into becoming a dentist. Oh, did they? Now that's, oh. that's, a, that's really well thought out. I really hated dentists. Though. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and so I feel like, like immigrant families, like they come in with a much more directed focus. Like you're going to school for a particular result and that'll be much better for you. And, um, uh, yeah, but there are an awful lot of unhappy lawyers and doctors who've been forced <laughs> down that route who yeah. then need therapy and you know also, and yoga and all of these yeah. other other yeah, kinds yeah. of things because they've been forced to do something that that they didn't really want yeah. to do whereas I suppose from the other if, if if you can drive yourself and inspire yourself to do something then you're going to be Happier, aren't you doing that than mm. than being forced in, into a route that's just not right for you? Or you could be a disgruntled painter who's also <laughs> just yes. as just as uh, you just need to raise your vibration. Oh right, okay. <laughs> yeah. just make sure that you don't cut off your ear or anything like that to exactly. be um, to be famous. Yeah, it's, uh, but there's it's that, low vibration. There's high um, vibration. There's uh, <laughs> those. The, there was nothing wrong with his Con- paintings. He just needed to be a nicer guy. They're contradictory. Sort of... <laughs> yeah. Well, you're making a strong argument, yeah, for for that. But I, as I understand it, um, you weren't necessarily so so driven all the time in your in your pursuit of academics. You were sort of something of a of a party girl as well. <laughs> I am. Um... Well, I think what happened was um, when I went out to get a job, I decided I wanted to be a banker because, you know, we'd just come out of the 80s and it was just all fun and excess and it just seemed like such a great thing to, to go and do. And I think the culture in those days in banking and finance was very driven by um 
you know, business in the pub, in the wine bars. And, and it was just that kind of a, an atmosphere. And, and it, was, it was great fun. Um, yeah, terrible. Right. Great fun. I you was and I had to... a very similar life experience. <laughs> it's true, actually. Yeah, I know. You were... I also went into banking and wanted to be oh, a banker. Yeah. Right. I actually wanted to be an investment banker. That was like, yeah, like what I but... wanted to do. But I started off as a teller and then worked my way up to like a personal banker. And and then after about four years of that I was like no no <laughs> you see you knew before me. me that that it wasn't right for you I, I went on for 30 years in business and finance wow. which is oh, uh, that's amazing it's quite a long time isn't it yeah I was gonna ask you what sort of what you what exactly what sort of fun you were up to because I was trying to <laughs> think about it was like kind of a Madchester rave scene or was it like Verve symphonies in the pub or like a spice album kind of club do, but it was really it was like in the pub. That's where you were drinking. Um, yeah, in, it, it to was. Excess. I'm I'm just <laughs> um, taking a deep breath here, thinking that oh, if my children listen to this, all the things that I'm telling them, <laughs> even though they ignore me now, they're definitely going to ignore me, aren't they? Um, after mm. this, but. Um, I don't know. I suppose, given that you're not a Premier League footballer and a Kardashian, probably right. the chances of them listening to this podcast are, are zero. Yeah, so we'll, hello, um, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'll uh, I'll go with the truth. And and yes, I tried all of those things. And oh, you um, did. It wasn't the, one of them. It was all of them. Yeah. Okay. Well, I didn't. Well, no, I tried all of them. But I think the the pub culture was where my family and my friends were, and. At that particular point in time, a lot of business was done in the yeah. pubs. The and I'm, you know, I mean, proper actual business, not just drug selling and things like yeah, that. You, know, yeah. they, oh, oh, right. you, you yeah. met customers and things and, yeah. you know, took them out um, for, for a drink the same at lunchtime. Here too. Yeah. Like at lunchtime, you know, um, I used to date a stockbroker. So, it was the same. Like you'd get, take customers out, potential customers or different like companies would take him out. And then after work, you go out again to the yeah. bar yeah. and it's like all about networking and socializing. Yeah. And it's all in that atmosphere of, yeah. of the pub. Yeah. <laughs> used to work after having kind of, you know, two or three pints on a lunchtime. Sure. You know, how, how is that even possible? Yeah. They call it a liquid <laughs> lunch here. I was I was trying to imagine how you were dressed when you're doing all the things. So you were in full business attire, going to the pub and then getting yes. home late. I imagine. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and not yeah, really getting a, any good food. That's all pub food. <laughs> um, it, it is. Yes, it is. And and no, food food wasn't great um, in those days. It was, uh, you know, there, there, there was probably um, a fair amount of well, the ready meals had come in, hadn't they? By by that sort of time, you yeah, know, the processed yeah. beef burgers and fish fingers and yeah. Finder's crispy pancakes. Um, mm -hmm. You know, all of those <laughs> things that you just put in a microwave there. and press in for. Um, yeah. So so yeah, um, and all swilled down with a glass of wine. Which right. is just <laughs> awful for isn't digestion. It? Oh yes, <laughs> and sleeping probably not so good either. <laughs> no, no, and and I think that that um, because everything was so full on, your mind never never got to calm down. Right. Yeah, uh, yeah. and that's going to affect your health as well. Oh, absolutely. 
absolutely. But you think you're invincible at that age, don't you? Yeah, you, know, you, you feel it. <laughs> yeah, you do. You do. And yeah. so, so I think that you had a, a, a scare, didn't you? That your husband sort of, I mean, your boyfriend at the time, young, mm-hmm. I think it was early 20s, yes, just suddenly was, yeah. went lame with rheumatoid arthritis. Yeah, he did. Can you describe that and what that was like for you that, that when that happened? I mean, well, it was, it was a, a complete shock um, for a start off because he was, um, you know, played football a few times a week. He was, you know, in his early, in early 20s and fit. Um, and he, he just went overnight to being unable to get himself out of bed with just hideous pain in his knees. Um, oh, wow. And so we were due to get married that year as well. And that's kind of not really how you want to start your marriage. Life <laughs> You're like, yeah. wait a second. <laughs> so, I, so, you, <laughs> so you you broke up with him and you found someone who wasn't lame and moved on. That's good. Okay, so next question. <sighs> no, it wasn't. Oh. He went to bed. <laughs> he went to bed and he just woke up and like couldn't get out of bed. His knees yeah, hurt exactly. Just it was like just literally overnight. Literally overnight literally wow. overnight and it and because he'd never had anything wrong with him before it you right. know it was it was all a bit of a a bit of a shock and so you know um went to the doctors and they took some blood tests and came back a few days later and said you've got rheumatoid arthritis um basically you'll be living with this for the rest of your life and the best thing we can do is give you some medication to try and keep the symptoms under control um, and I, I sort of read the, you know, the little pamphlets that come with these these bits of medi- medication. Yeah. And the side effects were just absolutely like... mortifying. Yeah, it's yeah. a liver damage. Impetus. Yeah. Impetus. Impotence. Thank you, thank you. Impotence. You'd yeah, think by um... now you'd know the difference. <laughs> Four years of marriage, the difference between impetus and impotence. Really, uh, I can't remember if that one was on there or not. But uh, <laughs> liver damage, well. yeah, uh, eye damage. <laughs> Do you know it, it? It was like um, you can either have pain and arthritis in your knee, or die this slow and lingering death over yeah. you know, over a number of years. And I've never been good at accepting things that I don't like and so I just thought um, (laughs) there's got to be something better than this Mm. but you know when we asked the doctor they just said no that that's it that's all there is and so in those days we didn't have the internet um, right at home (laughs) and so I had to go to the local library yeah and go through the books there and I found one that claimed to cure arthritis and so I read it sort of from cover to cover, and it was um, it was basically what we now know is a Mediterranean diet, but mm-hmm. with some extra bits and pieces cut out, you know, cut out some acidic foods, um, definitely no processed food, um, use organic food wherever you can. Um, and for, for us, again, in those days, we didn't have, uh, other than what granddad grew on his allotment, you know, you, you couldn't get organic food in the in the supermarkets. You know that yeah. that was but what. A, but that's a on. really good point, though. I've I've heard chefs talk about 
organic food. And they said, well, you know, in the old days, that was just food. That's what or that's what organic food was was <laughs> yeah. food, and so this idea of process, processing food and and you know dousing it with herbicides and pesticides that's a that's a it's a newfangled yeah you know, it's it's yeah. not the way food was no it certainly so wasn't the way food was when I was growing up but um, but by the time I'd grown up and got to that particular yeah. point then you know the they had started dousing everything with pesticides and fertilizers Um, (laughs) and so you know it it just meant that that whatever you were eating you were eating those kind of things as well Um, but by changing his diet like that so all the pot noodles and beer had to go um, I was about to say delicious but go on Sorry, I keep going in the I wrong think, direction. I think, you know, <laughs> looking back to his face at the time, you know, no pot noodles, no beer. It was like, oh, my God, really? Um, yeah. But but within um, a week, he was kind of up and walking and, and getting back to normal. And within two weeks, he was completely back to normal. And by changing his diet, just that? Just by changing his diet like that. Oh, it was... You know, if I hadn't have seen it myself, I perhaps would have been a bit more sceptical, but it was actually quite miraculous, um, the impact that it had. And so then after that, you know, we've spent many, many years just trying to tweak it because obviously he was really keen to get beer back in mm. his yeah. diet back <laughs> and, uh, into his diet yeah, yeah wheat yeah. based yeah, diet yeah and mm. uh, some of some of the other things that that had to be taken out early on like tomatoes and some of the dairy foods oh, acid yeah yeah okay. yeah the acidic foods um they took out but what we've kind of done over the years is just experiment with that sort of thing a bit and you know put yeah. back what i would um class as the healthy kind of foods um Mm -hmm. and actually now he just eats them all and none of them have any impact so I think it's about getting your system used to being able to um you know cope with those kind of things yeah I feel like a lot of times like with diet it's a bit of a um like a build-up you know yeah and so like your system kind of keeps getting more and more acidic say and then it hits like this point that's like the breaking point yeah and you almost have to do a complete restart and then once you kind of like clean everything out and you know reset everything then the foods that like initially were bothering you don't bother you no but like if you were to like only eat those foods again you would have another like big problem (laughs) I think it's like having having the base right isn't it so if you've got your base of of a lot of clean whole grains and lots of vegetables and healthy fats and if you've got that base right then I think the other bits and pieces just don't impact you in that way but if you if you haven't got your base diet right then things that that perhaps ordinarily wouldn't give you a problem your body struggles to cope with yeah I think I wonder if it's sort of similar to to being allergic to your your environment where you yeah. you, you say you're allergic yeah. to to milk or dairy or chocolate and then you introduce a dog and then you've got a cat and then you've got all of this dander and then mm. something comes up in the environment like hay fever and then it, the whole thing just uh you know, falls apart for you 
And it seems like that there was maybe a relationship there to how how your husband was suffering with rheumatoid arthritis. Did he also have allergies or was it it just his diet was poor for him? It was just his diet, just poor diet. Yeah. Um, and I and, think and with rheumatoid arthritis, it was very poor. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was very poor in those days. You know, it, yeah. he'd grown up again with his mum cooking everything from scratch and having a really good diet probably until his um, mid teens. Right. And then it, it was kind of like freedom. And, yeah. you know, how she went and got the pot noodles and beer and, and you know, pizzas yeah. and yeah. all yeah. that. You know, I, I, I'd heard once, and I may, I may be kind of just uh, flying off the deep end here, but I, I had heard once that one of the the problems with um, human beings is that in the last 10,000 years, we've kind of gone from a um, hunter-seeker, uh, a hunter-gatherer kind of uh, diet to entirely grass-based, which is to say wheat, rice, um other 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 sorts of grasses and i'm just i'm gonna gonna stop with wheat and rice (laughs) i think and um (laughs) that we just weren't used to as a species that much sugar and that much that really went to a sugar-based diet and then things like rheumatoid arthritis and um inflammation come from all of this all all these grasses that we eat yeah, I think I think there's there's definitely something to that, um, but I think a lot of the problems with nutritional science is there are a lot of these theories, but it's really difficult to actually prove any of them, and mm-hmm. so um, I think you know we, we've had all of these things, haven't we, in the past? Where oh my gosh, fat is bad. Don't eat anything with with fat in, and then you know, time progresses, we have more research and more science, and then we realize, well, no, actually, it's not, you need to be eating those essential fats, just don't eat the fake processed stuff that um, that is really bad for you. And I think, you know, sugar is, is another one of those things now where it's, oh, my words, don't eat any sort of sugar. But my view on that is, if it's a natural sugar for instance in a whole Mm. food like a fruit or something like that Mm -hmm. um then you know the the body has evolved to cope with and deal with that but what it hasn't evolved to to cope with is as you say the excess amount of of carbohydrates from one source be it wheat or or rice that we that we eat and and that gets converted to sugar by the body and it certainly hasn't evolved to cope with adding spoonfuls of sugar into um into every meal and on everything oh, we eat like a cinnamon toast that'd be nice <laughs> yeah good yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and i think also yeah or like... s- or sweet soy sauce on rice which is my mm. our son's yeah, favorite that's his favorite <laughs> <laughs> i mean to that point it's also um the like when we were talking about the processed food like the different processing um methods that we have where you know especially in the united states it's not so popular in canada i think it's actually illegal in canada (laughs) but and probably in britain too because they're a little bit more forward but where they condense that high fructose corn syrup oh yeah yeah that's they take like the sugar from the corn 
and like turn it into like a super sugar. Corn was yes. the other one I wanted to use. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then they put that in like everything. We yes. do put it into every single thing. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. And I think that that's, that's where, unfortunately, people get so addicted to yeah. these foods and they find them really difficult to, um, because your taste buds change. Yeah. And yeah. they, they change both ways as well. You know, I've, I found um, I cut out sugar probably about 10 years ago, that, that kind of, you know, added yeah. sugar. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I, I'm just not interested in eating it. I'd far rather have, you know, a nice plate of fruit and, and unsweetened yogurt. I, that's mm-hmm. what my taste buds want me to eat now. But yeah. they also mm-hmm. go the other way as well. You know, if you start feeding yourself the added sugar all the time, then that's what your body craves. Yeah. 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 I, I, I had heard that uh, it was the sugar industry that was pushing the anti-fat piece in the in the 80s uh, yeah <laughs> so, I, I read that too <laughs> <laughs> I, had, I had also heard that um I'm not sure what book I read this in I don't know if it was um guns germs and steel or something like that but it was that um when when a jam was being exported to to Britain from um say the the states uh that they had to put 40% or more sugar into the jam for it to sell than when they sold it to Europe. The, the Europeans wow. had a far less interest in sugar than, than Great Britain did. Right. And it was really interesting yeah. like yeah. That how, an, how a culture can develop an appetite and then have all of these uh, you know, after effects from it. Yeah. You know. Well, I think, I mean, I know they're catching up now, but when, when you look at the um, prevalence of di- disease and obesity and sugar consumption, um, Britain is, um, I mean, it's not as bad as the States, but, but it's, it's well <laughs> ahead of uh, a lot of our, you know, European counterparts that have a much more traditional diet. Yeah. 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 It's interesting. Even like if Starbucks, you know, the difference yeah, between yeah. getting like a latte in Canada oh. versus a latte, like a soy milk latte, say. Mm-hmm. Oh, in um, the States, even. In the States, it's they here in Canada, I think they use unsweetened soy milk or right. they use maybe like a low sweet. I don't know. But yeah. compared to the States, it's like. <laughs> Everything's sweetened, isn't it? It's sweet. It's way sweeter. And I'm like, this yeah. is the exact same drink. And why does it taste yeah. so sugary here? Even yeah. bread is sweetened. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Which is just absolutely bonkers, isn't it? Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because then- you, like you, I also cut out sugar. Like mainly, I mean, of course. <laughs> yeah, know, you have, you have some it, treats but, and yeah. But um, but yeah, I tend not to. I don't crave it. I, it's been a long time, actually. Mm. Like since I was a teenager, or like a early in my early twenties, yeah. it's been a long time since I've like really been into anything sweet at all. Mm. Even like fruit and stuff, I'm not a big fan of. Really? Oh, I like yeah. fruit. Yeah, yeah. And it's- so I'm really sensitive to it. Like I really yeah. can taste the sugar if there's sugar, yeah. extra sugar in anything. I'm always like, oh, yeah, it's <laughs> this too is sweet really for you. sweet. Yeah. Yeah, Didn't but it does just show, felt- doesn't it, how you change yeah. in terms of your taste buds. Yeah, you get and sensitive. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. D- didn't you say that you felt that you had a sugar sensitivity, like a, an actual serious sensitivity to it, that it, it made you... Yeah, it makes me not. It, it spikes my blood sugar up, Yeah, and then it drops it 
somehow that drop down makes me like really um, nauseated. Oh, okay. Like I feel, and then I have it, like, I just, if I have sugar, it puts me on that, like, um, blood sugar roller coaster. Yeah. Like, I'm just not feeling good all day. Mm. Yeah. And I just feel really sensitive to it. So that's why I stopped because I was like, this is really, like, (laughs) not good for me. No, no. But you see, I I think, I mean, maybe the yoga helped you with this in terms of you being more in tune with your body and more in tune with what it's telling you whereas I think a lot of people just ride it out don't they and then they continue Mm. to eat it and eventually they just kind of adapt whereas because you're a little bit more in tune with what with what your body's saying maybe you were able to sort of say hang on a minute this is not not great for me I'm I'm going to stop which is a really good thing to be able to do isn't it yeah and I think some people just process like I mean, sugar or fat or alcohol or whatever, like we just process things slightly differently, right? Oh, definitely. Definitely. Like for me, I just don't process sugar well. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Or maybe I process it too well and it like (laughs) creates a chaotic atmosphere. I think people think that they process it well Mm. at times, Mm -hmm. but actually in the background, it's causing disease and problems and issues that pop out later in life yeah. because they haven't kind of tuned into that and and so you know that it causes the problems later later on for them but I think that's been one of the the biggest most interesting discoveries in nutrition recently in terms of finding out about the the gut microbiome and the fact that everybody's is so individual yeah. it's as individual as your fingerprint and so mm. you know even though you guys live together um, you'll have different microbiomes and what affects you, Harmony, might not affect yeah. you, Russell. That's and so right. it's, um, you know, th- this is kind of why these one-size-fits-all diets and cures, you know, don't generally tend to work um, mm-hmm. because they don't work for everyone in the same way. And if you just blindly follow the rules and what's worked for somebody else, then you know it ends up creating more problems than than it's um, assisting. Yeah. Is that what you do then? Do you offer advice and counsel to people who who are interested in improving their diet or or who have an affliction? Say. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. So. Um, <laughs> yeah. So yes. Gen- generally, um, what happens is um, I'll have people um, complete a food diary for me over a week. And then mm-hmm. I'll have a look at their um, the things that they're eating, and then they'll they'll um, complete a questionnaire for me as well. So they'll mm-hmm. tell me, you know, what it is that they're worried about and what what it is that they're looking to achieve, and the medical history, um, so that we can we can have a look at that. But I think um, one of the problems with nutrition is that as a society, we're very used to going to the doctors when something's gone wrong Mm -hmm. and being given a pill to take Um, and I think that that is a quick and easy solution but working on your diet and you know it it takes effort it takes effort to put things from (laughs) from scratch it takes effort to eat cleanly and stop yourself you know drinking too much wine and eating too much chocolate you know it does take effort and it's a lot harder to do that than than it is to you know to pop along and take a 
a tablet. And I think that often people don't look at it until they become ill. Um, yeah. And sometimes mm. it's like it's it's gone so far that the the cure of changing things is so drastic that people can't even like their yeah. habits are so ingrained they can't even like yes. wrap their head around changing yeah. them at that point, yeah. right? Well, you see yeah. people, don't you, that um, you know that that have diabetes and things like that, and they're coming to the point where they're going to have to have the lower limbs amputated. But the the diet is so ingrained um, that yeah. they just don't want to change. And you know, for um, for when when it hasn't affected you like that, you find it really hard to understand how somebody could be looking at a risk like that and not being able to to say to themselves look I'm 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 just not going to have this anymore I'm going to change but I think um a lot of the addictiveness of some of these foods and the ways of life and the patterning that we have is so strong that it's really difficult particularly if somebody's not well it's really difficult to find the strength to do that especially if you're on your own and yeah. if the health system is just saying here take this pill and you know a lot of the medications whilst some of them you know have some great benefits and are absolutely essential at, at times a lot of the ones that are taken there are perhaps some alternatives that could be looked at instead to avoid yeah. the side effects and really it would be good to give those kind of things a chance first and then if they don't work you know then then you know look at um look at maybe medication but I think we do it the other way around don't we we (laughs) we do the medication and then when we get desperate look at nutrition and diet one of the things that that really surprised me the most about about living um out east uh, in Taiwan for example which is actually west of here but uh, (laughs) In in Taiwan, it was expected of me, just like everyone else there, because we're all on the public health system, to go to the doctor about once a week or once every two weeks. And people said, well, have you been to the doctor yet this week? And it's a Chinese medical doctor, of course. Mm. And you go to the Chinese medical doctor and they scrape the side of your skin, they suction your flesh. You know, they give you some, some herbs or herbs, as, as you will. And... Um, what, oh, then they stick little needles in you, all over your body. And all of that... To, Acupuncture. Yeah, 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 yeah. All of that done to get the heat and inflammation out of your body as a regular tonic on on the regular. And it's it really sort of struck me and stayed with me, like this is really what a doctor is for, which is to say preventative medicine. As you yeah. said, rather than you know, just cutting something out when it goes bad, you know, why don't we get the heat out of the body so nothing gets gets trapped in there? Yeah, it's it's a great way of looking at it. And and I think that, you know, that that's that's unfortunately where our health systems in the West have arrived at. Everything is about treatment and not mm-hmm. about prevention. Um, and, you know, whilst I don't know very much about Taiwanese um, doctors, <laughs> it seems like a, um, a better thing to do. So to, to have a, a regular, natural way of keeping on top of your, your health and your inflammation yeah. before, you know, just letting it get out of control and, it, and it making, you, making you ill. 
I do when I'm watching the the Olympics or I'm watching um, uh, professional sports. I do love to see a cupping mark on an athlete. I always <laughs> like, oh, there you go, good on yeah. you. Getting your acupuncturist yeah. to have a look see and get that heat out before anything goes bad. And like, yeah, it's like a it's like free advertising for Chinese medicine. It's good. <laughs> But it's been going on, hasn't it, for thousands and thousands of years. Yeah. And, and I think because that... Since we've started eating uh, uh, grains. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like, amazing. we've got too much yeah, heat in the body, so we're going to have to do something about this. We're not going to yeah. stop eating rice or corn or wheat. Then we better get the heat out of the body that's developing, building mm. up, or we're going to get diabetes or rheumatoid arthritis or what, whatnot. Yeah. Other but sorts of inflammatory kind of diseases. Of yeah, they are. They are. And I think that's sort of the, the problem with us um, in the West in that we want everything to be scientifically proven. And it's a lot easier to scientifically prove something in terms of, um, I don't know, how a, how a component of a food or a drug works on, on the body systems than it is to prove some of these more subtle energy types mm -hmm. of, of treatments. And so yeah. I think for many, many, many years in the West, we just dismissed them, didn't we, as, as yeah. being hocus-pocus, a bit of um, <laughs> yeah. odd magic, um, yeah. which, which is really a shame because, you know, there's, there's obviously a lot of... Um, a lot of useful things in there that that we could take from. Mm -hmm. So I'm I'm curious, what was it that took you out of finance and into nutrition? How did you make that transition? Um, well, I think the the fascination then. So af after um, Andrew was up and running again and and back to his normal life, I just kind of forgot about it. A bit, right. you know. We we carried on eating well as as I thought, um, and then I just carried on with my my career. But then um, I was diagnosed with uh, a malignant melanoma, um, which is a really nasty invasive skin cancer. Yeah. Um, and at the time, um, my children were two and four, and you know I was petrified that that yeah. they would grow up without their mum and, yeah. and so I, I had it cut out but in the back of my mind I couldn't understand you know I was in my 30s and so why would somebody with a healthy diet um so I thought and healthy yeah. lifestyle um yeah. why would they get something like this and I, I think as well because of the type of person that I am I need to have some control over things. Mm -hmm. So I needed to do something about it, you know, rather than just say, oh, right, okay, that's it. It's been cut out. I'm right. good. I'll just ignore yeah. it now. You know, I, I needed to understand in my head why it could have happened and what I needed to do to stop it happening again. Um, Had you been practicing yoga at all or anything at this point or just completely in finance? Um, well, I was I was completely in finance, but I had tried um, yoga. I've always felt really drawn to it. Yeah. But I really struggled to find a type of yoga that suited me. Um, right. You know, a lot of the a lot of the types of yoga that that I tried were very much um, a wonderful bendy 
ex-dancer or gymnast on the stage looking absolutely amazing whilst you know, everybody else grunted and panted in front <laughs> trying their best to, to get into any kind of position and I'm I'm not a naturally flexible person um so you know I, I never I never found them particularly inspiring because at that point in time I'd completely missed the point of yoga and I needed to be good at it or I thought right. I had to be good at it <laughs> yeah so, sure lots of so, people come to class thinking that right like yeah yeah I mean you um, want to you want to do feel good and to feel good you need to do good <laughs> in the yeah. thing that you're applying yourself to exactly and you've just got it completely the wrong way around and so I kept I kept still being called back to it and so I kept trying um but then um a couple of years before when I was pregnant with my daughter, my neighbour, um, who's an Iyengar teacher, said, oh, come to my class. Um, if you're pregnant, it'll really help you with the birth. And so obviously I didn't need asking twice about that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm there. <laughs> and so um, the contrast of going to a class like that was just incredible you know she wandered serenely around the room it's a bit like a Mysore room you know wandered serenely around helping people with their practice um you know as opposed to demonstrating how wonderful she looked at the front Mm -hmm. it's quite a bit different isn't it that that just the change in perspective on where the teacher stands in the room can have such a difference on you yeah well, it no longer then became important what my practice looked like. Yeah. It was more about what it felt like, which mm-hmm. is a massive change, isn't it? Massive. Totally. Yeah, that's a big shift internally. And yeah, it as is. a dancer, that was actually the thing that drew me to the yoga practice is practicing in a in a room without mirrors. And yes. also without someone demonstrating, like, I mean, maybe demonstrating one or two, but my all of my yeah. teachers were not like flexible show-off teachers that I started with. They were all yeah. kind of like, um, you know, not your typical like yoga journal cover girl. They were like yeah. men or like older women or things. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, it was such a switch as a dancer looking at the mirror all the time and always evaluating yourself like what do I look like does this look good so much pressure from that um that mirror you know it's like your worst critic there all the time criticizing you yes but that's also what's what's so nefarious about social media is is that you're you are actually reintroducing a mirror into your practice no I agree I I Mm. think it's insidious um (laughs) but then like switching to like how does this feel in my body yeah Mm -hmm. And that was like, that cured so many things for me, is that tuning in rather than looking for external validation. Yes. Yeah. And looking at yourself in the mirror and comparing that to the other person and thinking, exactly. you know, why why don't I look like that? Why am I not that skinny? Why don't my legs turn out like that? Why isn't my leg that high? Mm. (laughs) Like it just goes on and on and on. Yeah, it does. It does. (laughs) You know, the, the other day I was thinking about um, the Ukraine and uh, President Zelensky and, and uh, 
a, a, a person used a phrase that really struck me that, you know, he had a real spine. He's got a real spine, that guy. Yeah. Whereas some of these Republicans back home who are in the back pocket of Putin, they're spineless. Yeah. <laughs> they're spineless. And I was thinking about, oh, you know, in yoga, we, we, um, we, <laughs> we like do. people to have a big back bend, which is to say... Spineless? Spineless. <laughs> and if you're sturdy... Then you won't have a backbend. You'll be quite, you know, stiff and strong. And we've really flipped that on its on its yeah, lid. The, this kind it? of notion that if if you're a bit stiff, well, then there's no value to your practice. Yeah. Yes. But actually, what you are is strong. You know, you're yes. you're you're sturdy and strong, and that there, and there's a real value to that. And we should put value onto it. Yeah, and it's it's. I think it's as well valuing that everybody's different, and mm -hmm. everybody has something that they can mm -hmm. do, you know, and that they will be that will they will be good at. And I think that that you know, just following what somebody else is doing, you're never going to be the same as them, mm -hmm. are you? And you're never going to be able to to look like that, whether it's good or bad or indifferent. So it's it's just nice to be able to start and think about what you might be able to do and just concentrate on on how that makes you feel mm -hmm. yeah yeah so you started studying with with joe with joey miles at one point <laughs> i did I, I still do i still do um oh, nice. I, I think what, what what happened was after i'd been to the iyengar classes i had both of my children and then i went back to working full time, full -time. Right. And yeah. so there, there was just no time to fit in going no to yoga classes. Yoga. And mm -hmm. the yoga that I did then was from a DVD um, yeah. in the lounge, just whenever I could, um, whenever I could manage it yeah. um, until the children got a little bit older. And then I looked again for a class because I like a class. It's nice to, to have a little yeah. community, isn't it? Um, and so I wandered into a class not knowing what Ashtanga yoga was, <laughs> but um, I just thought, well, it says yoga, so I'll, I'll, you know, give it a try. And I went and I absolutely loved it. I'd never had, even though I really enjoyed the Iyengar, I'd never had anything that managed to quiet my mind in that mm -hmm. kind of a way. So even though I felt like it was doing good for my body, it also was just calming my mind down because it, it works at 120 miles an hour, my mind. I find it really <laughs> hard to slow it down and switch it off. And after that first class, just lying down, taking rest, my mind was just completely still. And I can't ever remember having felt like that before. And so, you know, I loved it. Um, and then um, continued with those classes and eventually started going to Joey, um, probably about mm. four or five years ago. Nice. Um, well, I don't mean to bring up um, a tyke again, but I just, <laughs> what we're learning is that a, an, ex, a, an, an exercised dog is a well-behaved dog. <laughs> is that right yeah oh, okay. yeah okay. tired dog is well behaved so you know being exercised can quiet the mind you know? <laughs> yeah yeah and so it's like oh and so maybe that's just really what you needed was to really kind of work some things out and then you could really just 
<sighs> let it go. Yeah, and I think it's the focus as well because you, you're focusing, aren't you, on what you're doing physically and the drishti and the breathing. You know, it, it's it's just having to make your mind shut up and concentrate, <laughs> which is mm-hmm. which has yeah. always been so difficult for me. You know, I'm, I'm always thinking about four different things at once, and and you just can't do that, can you? When you yeah. when you're doing Ashtanga. Yeah, it's such good training. It's such good mental training for like mm. dharana concentration. Like, okay, you got to yeah. focus on these things. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is. Yeah. It's 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 really good. And I I think um, uh, I think you you know you said you knew Joey quite well, and yeah. he's, uh, so you, you'll know that he's um, he's really good in terms of trying to adapt the practice to suit his students mm-hmm. in order to give them the best chance of of doing what's good and right for them I mean yeah. he, he works really hard but he's <laughs> um <laughs> it's like for me I was 47 when I started um Ashtanga wow. and Goodness. like like I've said you know like a brick um <laughs> and so, so therefore I found it so hard to do some of the forward bending and back yeah. bending yeah. um yeah. And so like, I'm a non-bender. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it, it's I don't all, bend in any direction. Any <laughs> time that you're you're looking at growth and your practice, it doesn't feel good. Mm. It doesn't, it doesn't, it's not a wonderful feeling to like once you get to your ankles, say in a back bend, it doesn't suddenly feel great once you get to your knees. It's yeah. still it's still hard and it's still yeah. nauseating. And so yeah. if you're if you're just trying to to you know, do your favorite posture that that uh, Dhanurasana, that uh, that wheel pose, uh, where you're lying on your that. belly and you take your you take your um, your Ankle. ankles and you lift mm. up. You know, mm. that's just as hard. Once you get to your knees, it still feels yeah. the same, no matter yeah. how the the range of motion. Yeah, yeah. But you can just keep taking it to a new edge, right? The edge is what is That's what I'm trying to say. The edge is not nice. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I I do get what you're saying, and um, and I think that's that's. I don't know. Maybe that's one thing I'll I'll never experience because I don't seem to make. You know, the things that that absolute beginners find wonderfully relaxing, like you know, like Paschimottanasana and things like that, where you just see people just relaxing that and and for me that's oh. absolute torture yeah no i've <laughs> never liked that one no, I, I agree paschimottanasana was never my favorite posture i hated it it's, it's oh, not okay. nice, nice i would yeah, feel like little n- no. nub, nubby nausea in my calves <laughs> yeah. and it would make me want to be sick yeah um, it make me oh, so okay. angry even to <laughs> yesterday i was just saying yeah mm. It's oh, okay. funny though. Well, that, I that... know what you mean though, because some people are just naturally natural forward folders, and they're just like yeah. feel really like relaxed and good there. Yeah, and you look at them, and and there's almost like this sereneness rising up from them. No, you know? Whereas no, I'm no, no. They're, and and... they're spineless. They're spineless. Oh, Nicola. come on. Come yeah. on. <laughs> no judgment. This is a judgment. Call. It's a judgment yeah. call, is what I'm making. Yeah. Yeah. But so then, tell us. So after your cancer scare, you had the surgery, you had it removed, then yes. that like took you into a whole other career. Well, it, it did because initially um, when I looked at what it could be that, that was wrong 
we were I was stuck because I thought I, I ate healthily but actually mm-hmm. when I started researching the um foods that assisted cancer there were whole food groups missing from my diet you know I, we'd, we'd never had lentils or pulses I mean as you can imagine you know they don't go well with gravy and mash and so therefore they're not a dietary <laughs> staple in Yorkshire mm. <laughs> or the puddings they don't go well with the puddings either no <laughs> I could see putting a lentils inside of a Yorkshire pudding with gravy on You could maybe make yeah, a lentil batter. Yeah, but yeah, it sounds like a pie. I don't know. It yeah. sounds complicated. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> but, it, but anyway, in, the, in those days, they, they, just, they just weren't even there. Nuts no. were not something that we ate unless they were covered in chocolate. Oh, um, that sounds nice, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they were. Mm. They were really nice. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, the, there were just whole groups just missing from my diet. So in terms of diversity, you know, mm. I hadn't got any um, of the full range of things that I should have had. And mm. like you said, my whole grains were wheat. Yeah. Right. That was it. Right. And off. That's your whole grain. Yeah. 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 Full we store. ate brown bread and so we thought that was good enough. But yeah. but oh, that was the limit. That's nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, you know, I, w- I was quite happy and um, that I knew what I could do in terms of that. And so, you know, I went off and, and looked at that. But I think the problem was that if you look at, at nutritional science, if you look for science to support an argument, there seems to be a mm-hmm. study supporting every single argument. And, you know, I wanted to understand how do you cut through all of that? How do you know which ones to believe and which ones not to believe? Um, and so that's why I decided to go back and do another degree, then this time in um, in nutrition. Did you um, do that at Leeds? I did that at Leeds. They're called loiners, the people from Leeds. <laughs> did you know what, that? And I thought that was also rather, rather, rather suggestive. <laughs> loiners. Loiners. From Leeds. I don't know the... where you get where you get this information from. No, I've never heard that I one. do my research and I discover okay. it. <laughs> you must have your own range of websites that you look on. I uh, we shouldn't talk about the range of websites that I look on, to be honest. Um, one thing that you said that I thought was really lovely, um, you you were talking about sort of combining your interest in, in diet and your interest in, in yoga, and you talked about the sort of some unhealthy choices that you thought you saw in uh, and in the habits and in, in yoga practitioners. And I wonder mm. if you could talk about that for us. Yeah, um, I mean, you kind of think that everybody that that does yoga will be really conscious of their health, and and um, and a lot of them are. So many people work really hard to to look after their health, but there were two basic themes that that I seem to have just observed um whilst I've been (laughs) whilst I've been doing both and one of them is the junk food veganism yeah that sounds like our dinner last night (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's true (laughs) we had we had some kind of fried cauliflower and we thought that was going to be healthy for us it was and we and fried might have been Fried plant-based meat. Fried plant-based meat. Yeah. Well, we baked yeah. it. We baked it. Oh, but we I think it was it. pre-fried. I don't yeah. know. It was freezer. Right. Okay. That's the problem, the processed food, right? It's mm, so it challenging is. to get processed food out of your diet. Even like if you're like conscious about your health because you see 
it takes so much time to make food. Oh, it takes so much time to make food. And that's why people just don't do it enough. Um, but I think that one, one, of, one of the things that you can, you can do is, you know, like really simplify things. Yeah. So I think they, the, in terms of the junk food veganism, you know, a lot of the fake meat and the fake cheese and, and yeah. those, those kind of things that people put in there thinking that they need to have that for protein Right. When actually there are, um, you know, nuts and seeds and edamame beans, um, yeah. you know, other types of beans and pulses. Yeah, I, it's <laughs> going to be just... difficult for our listeners at home to kind of parse this because we say we don't have enough time to cook, but we can watch the entire, you know, we can binge watch all of The Last Kingdom, yeah. you know, for hours and like, oh, we yeah. don't have enough time to cook. And I was like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I know. We have lost our focus, I think, in in some ways. And, you know, you can spend. I want to see you in the kitchen. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And I do like to cook. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Healthy food. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, we're having a domestic. We're having a domestic. And I was like, really rather unfair. I do like to cook. I think that conversation (laughs) goes on in every household, doesn't it? Um, Yeah, because I think also the problem is if you work like 15 hours a day, you don't want to then cook food. Yeah. And then you're eating so late because it takes like an hour because I'm not very fast (laughs) to cook a meal. Yeah, it does. And, and then you've then got all the like, clearing up to do from yeah, it, haven't you? You know, yeah. whereas if you get one of those packets and shove it in the oven, there's no That's clearing up, there's no night. effort. Yes, mm. we just zip onto mm. the baking sheet into the oven. Yeah. Done. And we were yeah. proud of ourselves that we hadn't fried it, to be honest. Yeah, we baked it. <laughs> <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> but like at the same time, I'm like, this isn't really, this is kind of junk food. It's not food. But at least it's cauliflower. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. But, you know, I think the difference is you know and you realize that, that yeah. you know. It's not I healthy, actually, really. Yeah. It's, it's not healthy, healthy. Really, you know, you, you can't you can't be an angel a hundred percent of the time, can you? No. You, know, you, you are going to have times when you do just need to to revert to something that's that's quick and easy. But I think the problem is a lot of people believe the marketing yeah. around that sort of thing, and they uh, think yeah. that that it is healthy, and yeah. they think that you know it's it's okay to eat that sort of stuff all of the time. Yeah. And I think that you know that that's. Um, one of the things that that I've observed um you know what I I noticed too you brought up the vegan cheese I just want to talk about for a second (laughs) because there's like almost zero protein in it like most Mm. vegan cheeses have zero protein yeah so all you're eating again is fat and carbs like yeah and, like, and not even this... proper fat and carbs you're no. eating the, the bad stuff you know the, yeah. the other processed stuff that makes you ill and so yeah. you know I think I think for me that's kind of where I came to in that I just thought do you know what if I want cheese I'm gonna have cheese real right. cheese mm-hmm. yeah and, and I think I know that some people can't do that for their for ethical reasons and they don't yeah. want to do that but or I think as long as intolerant <laughs> yeah 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 there is that yeah. too yeah yeah um yeah. And I think that it's just about, isn't it, perhaps finding some other alternatives that that are not going to do them harm. Yeah. 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 
or like, yeah, or at least understanding that if you're eating it, it's not healthy for you, that it's like, uh, like, yeah. kind of like a treat. It's like having like, you know, chips or yeah, it's yeah. a treat, you know, it's something not like a that. Meal. It's not it's a treat. Yeah, it's not like yeah. a healthy substitute. It's kind of like an unhealthy substitute. <laughs> But, you know, that's really so difficult with all of the money that they, these food companies spend on the marketing because they do, don't they? they? They put it in a in a packet with some green leaves and green-looking things on there yeah. and, and, you know, try and persuade people yeah. that it's healthy. The... Um, and I think that that's kind of where the, where the problem lies. Yeah. Um, it's difficult for people. And, totally. and what about the other end of the spectrum that you mentioned of, say, just not eating at all? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've, yeah. That 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 to me was just unbelievably shocking. In that, you know, you you meet women who have um, lost their periods, and you know that you see some people who have just remarkably thin. Yeah. And the reason behind what they're doing, you know, I mean, there, there are certain doctors and and health um i'm struggling to call them experts but but um <laughs> certain scientists that that will recommend fasting for certain reasons right like but, intermittent you know, fasting yeah 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 but i mean that that's different because that's eating within a certain window so you do, you don't right. you know fast for for sort of a long a long period of time but the um you know the reasons for that are Probably not binding in Marichasnadi and probably not right. lifting up into oh. um, headstand, are they? It's yeah. just. I would like to do that again someday. <laughs> Be able to float with ease. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it, it's. Is that actually really worth your health? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's. And, and I think maybe that's where. That's where some of the. Instagram and some of the social media and internet things don't help these situations because actually when you see a normal class of normal people, how many combined in Marichas in a day? Yeah, maybe like hardly anybody, yeah, and that's thirty percent. <laughs> oh, you mean well? There's you know the, the population in a, in a yoga class is quite a bit skewed. It's yeah. very different from the, the general population. It Gen is, but, pop, it, but you're talking about ninety nine percent cannot do Marichasana D. Then yeah. there's the one percent of us in a yoga room, and still yeah. only like fifty, maybe thirty to fifty percent, depending yeah. on how, well, how what level I've, of yoga it is. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, and so I don't think that people realize how incredibly rare. Yeah. It is to be able to do that. And it's certainly not worth sacrificing your health to be yeah. able to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I, it's, it's difficult, isn't it? Because you can't judge people without knowing the reasons. And, you know, you can't. Yeah, it brings up such an interesting conversation um, in my mind, though, because, um, you know, so much of the yoga philosophy and um, what – sort of yoga is geared to actually like even like from a sort of traditional kind of viewpoint is this reining in of the senses right this like Mm -hmm. drawing in of the senses withdrawing the mind from the senses withdrawing the mind from the senses 
and discipline and mm-hmm. control and asceticism and like all these things are very much connected to the practice of yoga. And I think Ashtanga is like a very intense and deep kind of practice and asceticism. Mm-hmm. of asceticism and controlling the mind and controlling the senses. And if you want to get good at it, you have to do all of those things, right? Like, I mean, good, like physically, let's say. Yeah. Um, and and um, and so it has this kind of bent to it already that I think kind of lures you in down this path. Like if I'm going to be a good yogi, if I'm going to actually do this spiritual be, discipline. If I'm going to be good, yeah, a good person. Yeah. Yeah. Whether it's we're, like we're back to physical. that thing that we mentioned before, aren't we? About, about yeah. is that the point of yoga, being good at it? But even like, just like, not even just physical achievements, but even like, can I control my senses? Can I discipline my Mm. lifestyle to the point where I'm only eating this amount of these things? Do you know what I mean? Like, there's just just so much regulation. Can I be considered a good person by others? Right. And, and, And it is sort of a fascinating thing because we do kind of have this little thing in our brain where we equate the two together in, especially in the Ashtoga, Ashtanga yoga, Ashtogas. the Ashtoga realm, <laughs> the Ashtanga yoga realm. That's a good word. Um, yeah. Ashtoga. But also like it happens in other types of like intense meditation type practices also you know you could look at like the vipassana system and Mm -hmm. if you're on a 10-day retreat or a 20-day retreat you're having like a small breakfast you're waking up at 4 a.m in the morning you're finishing your medium-sized lunch small lunch before noon and then you're Mm -hmm. not eating again until 7 a.m after you've already meditated for three hours and your senses become so like withdrawn that even food kind of loses um, an attraction. And even though the food's super healthy, and I think it's 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 an interesting discipline to go down. Yeah. But there is something there with like this idea of controlling the senses and withdrawing and making your life so simplified and so ascetic, and that's equated with like being a good yoga practitioner. Yeah, yeah. And I think there's probably um, a difficulty in knowing when the line has been crossed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, You know, in in terms of if it's damaging your health and it's stopping your body functioning properly, then, you know, it's... uh, That's probably a point where you need to be questioning whether it's the right thing to do. I was yeah. I was in a, a I think that's a great question. <laughs> I, I was in a study for Yoga Journal um I think about 10 years ago and uh they were measuring our um I guess our heart function and so they put us on the treadmill and they put us and they they had us wear these heart monitors while we practiced and all that. It was interesting and then they they did a um a body fat uh test and uh, I came out at that time uh, like 10% body fat. And I was immediately dismayed. I was like, oh, I am fat, aren't I? And, <laughs> oh. and the guy the guy said, look, what are you, I, I don't know what you're um, complaining about because 
when you when you have a body fat of 10% or more, then that means that you're going to be much less sick, he said to me. That the problem with cyclists and the problem with these extreme athletes when their body fat goes down to 3%, 2%, is that they get a lot of colds. They get, a, they get mm-hmm. sick a lot. And because they can't keep their their immune system healthy, yeah. And so it, it, I think it's it says a lot about what you what you what you're talking about is that you really are doing damage to your immune system if you're not keeping your weight up. Yeah, you you do need a, a level of the bo- the body naturally for survival purposes needs a store. Otherwise, it starts panicking. And thinking, oh my gosh, I, I, you know, I, I need to be um, eating more. I need to be craving more sugary foods, etc. Just in order mm-hmm. to to build those stores back up again. Yeah. And so, you know, it does it does make you wonder whether it's doing you any good at all to be dropping below those levels and and sending your body into those kind of crisis situations mm-hmm. on on a. Um, you know, a permanent basis, because if you're starving yourself to that point, then that's what you're doing, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's sort of like, like on every extreme, like whether it's, it's like not eating enough and not getting the right nutrition mm-hmm. um, or, you know, eating maybe too eating junk. too much or having too much of the wrong nutrition. Yeah. There's like disease. Right. And so there's, yeah must be sort of a little sweet point somewhere in the middle of these two extremes. It's balance, isn't it? It's like everything in life. It's it's about balance. It's about, you know, like yeah. looking after yourself most of the time and then just knowing, you know, keeping a um keeping a connection with your body so that you're listening to what it's doing and, you know, listening to when it's telling you something's not right and also keeping a connection with um with your food, where where is it coming from? Is it natural? You know, it, it's it's kind of impossible to have a a connection with a you know a microwave dinner, isn't it? You know, where is it? <laughs> <laughs> You've got some Deep carrots that have been lovingly grown. <laughs> yeah, the microwave dinner. And like, Hard maybe it's okay to have a little bit of vegan junk food. <laughs> Exactly. You know, it's all about balance. So every once in a while, then, you know, why, why not? And, and I think, you know, that there are a lot of studies around um, happiness and in terms mm. of, you know, eating. And I know I've fallen foul of this myself in the past in terms of having real enjoyment out of yeah. eating in a social situation and, you know, um, connecting again with people and the food yeah. and you know the the whole community situation. Now, I've I've been at points, particularly after um, the cancer, where you know if if something hadn't been handmade and a hundred percent organic, I, you know it used to throw me into turmoil, and I'd think, <laughs> right, you know, I I need to go now and and have ten overpriced green smoothies in order to <laughs> detox myself from mm-hmm. you know from yeah. that cake or that you know yeah. that pie that that I'd eaten and it's it's losing the big picture isn't it about you know mm. that's gonna do me way more damage creating all that low level stress than eating a non-organic carrot it's, you know, you've, you've just got to get a balance haven't you in life and um, and yeah. you know try and keep a, an eye on that 
Yeah. Uh, you mentioned something else in your in your bio, just to kind of finish up, and, I, and it's, it's, it was really interesting. This structure that you described using and applying to um, your science, I think it was called a Vega. And I wonder if you could talk more about Vega and, and and how you use it and what you what you what you do with it. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, I'll say that um, Vega testing certainly isn't supported by um, the health system here, and in in fact, it's one of those things that they would say, you know, it's. Um, alongside alternative therapies and you're probably wasting your money but okay. for me <laughs> with that said it, it, it really works in that um it works what is it? Al- it well it works along um traditional chinese medicine acupuncture sites by sending like a mini electrical impulse and measuring the resistance at those acupuncture sites and so it's kind of like a little bit more of a a scientific way of um giving you a score and a result for for each of those things um and so for me it makes sense the way that my acupuncturist might check my pulse and then and then he'd get a reading on my chi this is a an instrument that's doing the same thing it is um and it it got a really, really bad press um, here in the UK <laughs> because one of the health supplement shops bought these machines and put them in every store oh. and had like, you know, like the trainees um, using these so that they could re- recommend loads of supplements for people to, right. to buy. Oh, but um, And so, so therefore, after that, they just had a, a really bad name here in the UK but I went to the effort of finding an actual acupuncturist who'd been, yeah. you know, properly trained and had many, many years of, of experience um, for him to do the readings for me. And because they were a score, yeah. that made a lot of sense for me because the, I think the problem with the other alternative therapies that I tried, I didn't know whether they were working or not mm. and and in my mind I couldn't just wait to see if cancer came back mm-hmm. right you know uh, that that just you know wouldn't work for me you know I wanted to understand what the things were and because this tests all of the acupuncture sites you know it came up with a a number of different things for me to to work on one was the mm. um gut dysbiosis from not having um uh, enough variety and diversity in my diet which I talked about before mm-hmm. um, another was mercury in my oh. fillings um, mm, yeah. which was which was really affecting me and another was um, negative energies um, oh like I like like me for example <laughs> yeah I might bring too much Can negative be. energy to your system just by being around me yeah. <laughs> but you know yeah. I think I think the problem is with um with some of the things like that so I went to my I, I took the diet on myself and then I went to my doctor and, and I said to him is there a test that you can do to confirm whether the mercury in my fillings is actually poisoning me and he just like gave me a really patronizing look and sort of mm-hmm. patted me on the arm and said 
there are a lot of people in the alternative therapy world that that try and take advantage of people with cancer. Mm. The NHS says mercury is safe, and so don't worry about that. So I thought, hmm. Um, and I went away and, and researched it a little bit more and found that they'd stopped putting mercury fillings in children yes. and pregnant women. And so I was thinking, well, that's kind of telling me that <laughs> it's not safe. Mm. And so, you know, um, it was it was just a really difficult and confusing time because there's so much conflicting evidence everywhere. And I think yeah. because of the way our, our health system is geared towards um, certain advice, whether that fits for you or not, Right. Then it's you know it was it was quite difficult really. So I, I went ahead and had them taken out. I didn't tell the Vega tester that that's what I'd had done. Um, and then I went when I went back and yeah. was tested again. The score had gone right down for that. Oh. Which um, to me, you know, yeah. just confirmed that it it worked for me. Mm-hmm. My parents' dentist, um, he was very uh, into like holistic medicine mm-hmm. and he had them take out all of the mercury fillings and replace them with non-mercury yeah. fillings. Your and parents he, did that? Yeah. He said, oh, this is completely toxic for your system hmm. yeah. and we don't even allow mercury. They don't, you don't get mercury fillings in Canada anymore. It's like, no, I no, I don't think we get them at all something. now. I don't yeah. know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I mean it's it's kind of common knowledge now, but back then probably people were like, yeah, it's just like no one cares, right? Same yeah. like aluminum, like eating yeah. out like the aluminum cans and like yeah. understanding what that does yeah. and that our systems yeah. are absorbing it. Yeah. yeah, and we all cooked in um, yes. aluminum cans, didn't we, for years and yeah. years and years? And you know, it, it's kind of like all of those peripheral things that that yeah. I looked into over the years you know like like what I cooked in so now I'd only cook in cast iron or stainless mm-hmm. steel um yeah you know looking at um the products that I put on my skin yeah they were just full of nasty nasty chemicals and yeah. back in those days you, you just couldn't get you know natural chemical free skincare there's a lot more of it around now but it was so difficult at the time so you know it was it was really quite a quite a journey to go on but a really fascinating and a really interesting one which is what inspired me to you know to go on and um and study nutrition again that's amazing and so now your whole career is basically consulting as a nutritionist well that I'm I'm doing that I haven't entirely walked away from the finance um okay well, <laughs> it pays <I> still, the bills <laughs> well I still really enjoy it um yeah. and you know I I think I've got 30 years of of great experience there and so it's kind of a waste isn't it just to uh, right just to let that go but I'm I'm at the point where there's a few different opportunities and it and it's it's quite hard to to pick and choose now um but I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna have to do it aren't I at some point (laughs) (laughs) yeah but that's exciting it's nice yes it is it's exciting when sort of you can transition into new areas of life too you know it is sometimes a little scary to let go of what you know yeah but but you've got to be inspired 
Yeah, exactly. You're so inspired by it. Excited about about yeah. um, what you're doing on a, on a daily basis because I think again that's I think that's great for your health. Yeah, one hundred percent. That's right. That's right. One hundred percent. If if someone wanted to to work with you uh, on their diet, is there a way that they could get a hold of you and and get a consultation, even if they're they're in Florida? <laughs> yeah well i think at the moment um all i have is my instagram um which is um at the yummy yoga i i haven't gone and set up a website and sorted myself out um, in that respect yet but through the yummy yogi they could get a hold of you yeah yeah they can just dm me and um and and i can i can sort them out but, I, but it's on my list of things to do. I do need to sort out a website and I do need to uh, to get that done. But I just haven't had to yet. Well, if the Instagram works, you know, there's then it's that's true. if that's, you know, that, what Actually, else do you need? Many people have very successful businesses without a website, believe it or not. Do. Yeah, I yeah, it. yeah, I suppose they do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm, yeah. It's true. Yeah, it's all about just the connections and the and the conversations that are being had, right? Yeah. Well, most of people have come to me just from word of mouth. Yeah. Because I, I think um, it's nutritionists are quite rare in terms yeah. of, you know, um, I think there are, there are plenty of people very like yoga where somebody's done a one-month course. Yeah. Um, and sure. Yeah, you know, so so it, it's it's a big difference, isn't it, to somebody who has been properly trained and um, yeah, practice. I mean, that. even you know, I did a year course. Well, it was actually more like <clears throat> a year and a half when you add on the other advanced sort of um, coaching courses that I took. But um, you know, when you do that, when you become like a health health coach or a health and wellness coach, yeah. which is like a really up and coming. Um, area especially in north america and i Mm -hmm. think it's starting to come up even in in britain as well yeah um you know your scope of practice is like you're not there to prescribe or you know assess nutritional like you know your scope of practice is not about doing those things that's for like somebody who has a degree in nutrition or a doctor or you know you're not prescribing or or um you know, assessing test results or anything like yes. that. Yeah. But the benefit is kind of like what we were talking about. I think, you know, how doctors now is just like, like our medical system so much like people come in, they just like get their pill, their prescription. The doctor has like three to five minutes that they can spend with them and they just like send them on their way. Yeah. yeah. And so it's all about just like trying to band aid problems. And when yes, you think, I think, you know, if you go back in time to a, <laughs> an era a long, long time ago when there was like more like villages and like the doctor of the village and he would yes. know everyone and he would understand their lifestyle and they, they would all visit together yes. and people yeah. would, you know, it was like a very social thing yeah. um, being a doctor and you yeah. spent time with people, right? Yeah. It wasn't so transactional. Yeah. And I think it was that's much where like- better. Yeah, that's where that the health coaching, I think, is why it's so important these days, because they've had so many studies done that, you know, people um, do better with their health when they have someone that they have a relationship with Mm -hmm. to support them. Yeah, that's so So it's like, 
Yeah. I mean, even with you, if someone comes to you and they're like, I want to change my diet. I mean, part of the beautiful thing of working with somebody like you or a health coach or, you know, is that you have someone you can check in with and that's going to check in on you and be like, how's it going? What obstacles are coming up for you? What's working? What isn't working? You know, and it's It's just that support, isn't it? That's there to, to help you out. Yeah, we just don't have that in our medical system. We don't have time for it and nobody can, no. you know, especially if it's a public health system, nobody wants to pay for that kind of support no, or time. No, well, they don't, do they? No. Did you did you ever watch that show um, when we were kids? It was The Facts of Life. <laughs> yeah. No. It was very popular in the early show, 80s yeah. in America. <laughs> and so it was Joe and Blair and Trudy. Uh, Trudy. Yeah. Trudy? Tootie. Tootie? And uh, they were all, we shouldn't, we shouldn't forget you know, Natalie as well. And, <laughs> and so the four of these girls were all, were in the boarding school together and they were all kind of trying to find their way. And they had their, you know, the matriarch of the show was this, you know, Miss Garrett. Yeah, Miss Garrett was the school nutritionist. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, oh, and she was the one job. that they all went to She was for like help. the house marm. <laughs> And they was like, I don't know what to do about this boy or about, you know, my body. She's like or, a guidance counselor, kind know. of. <laughs> she was a guidance. She was a yeah. guidance counselor. She was their health. She was their life coach. Yeah, their life coach. Because she <laughs> was the life school coaching. nutritionist and she was the one person they could really trust. What a lovely job to have. But no, <laughs> they just don't pay, do they, for people they to have jobs have like that anymore? No, now. there's it's no school It's all about results, isn't it? Yeah. All about results. Yeah. 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 Or just like getting rid of the symptom. <laughs> yes. And yeah, no one's says- really like you say, looking at like, well, what is this? What's the underlying cause of these yeah. problems? What's the underlying cause of these symptoms? Like, let's yeah. get to the heart of what's actually creating, you know, that toxicity or yeah. hyperacidity. Yeah. yeah. And it's, yeah. it's and Joe smoking that. a bit of dope in the parking lot. <laughs> That's the problem. <laughs> Well, I, I just really want to thank you for coming on the on the show with us, Nicola. Well, it's been, it's really been a, sweet. a great conversation. I've I've really enjoyed it, and I think you know that that has been one of the nicest things about the pandemic in terms of you know b- beforehand we were very restricted to the teachers that were in our locality, and so for yeah. instance, you know, I I had Joey, and and that was it. And since the pandemic, I've been able to practice with. Harmony online through <laughs> Adam Keane's website. I mean, yeah. the 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 little business that Adam and Teresa set up yeah. and mm. the guest Amazing. teachers that they've brought in. It's just been absolutely wonderful, hasn't it, for yeah. us all? Um, totally. So it's been, you know, it's been really lovely to connect with with yes. other people. I agree. I think that to me that was the most exciting thing about <laughs> exciting thing about the pandemic <laughs> <laughs> that's, yeah. that's a silver lining doesn't there that's yeah, silver line. and also online my saw in a morning yeah. Yeah, how good. incredible is that roll out of bed and um, <laughs> yeah. log on and mm. that, i mean that that's just fantastic with no commute yeah. i mean when yeah. when adam set that up um I, yeah it's just been an absolute lifesaver he's yeah. a jewel yeah mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And please say hello to Joey too when you see yeah, him. Good old Joey. I will. I'll we'll have to bring him on the show. Does he still have those long dreadlocks? Is he still 
dreaded. We saw no. him. He cut them. No. We saw him in Mysore in 2017, no. and he didn't have dreadlocks. I didn't recognize him. Yes, didn't you know, talked to him. <laughs> didn't know who he was. I think when we met. So no, yeah, definitely no dreadlocks for, for decades. You saw him in 2017 in no. Mysore. You had a conversation. No, I never met. No, <laughs> I'll ask uh, him. I'll ask him in a few weeks' time, <laughs> and I'll oh message you and let you know. <laughs> no, I don't think I met him. It's the aluminum. All that aluminum. Aluminum's aluminium. Like aluminium. Aluminium. Mm. <laughs> it's starting mm. to degrade your memory. Yes. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of Finding Harmony. With me, your host, Harmony Slater. You can find out more information on my website, harmonyslater.com. And I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Standing in eternity's shadow, watching the breaking waves, there's a hard wind and the soil.